You're listening to Backstage at Lyric, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes at Lyric Opera of Chicago. Backstage at Lyric features in-depth interviews with singers, conductors, and creative talents at one of the world's great opera companies. For additional podcast interviews, subscribe to our RSS feed or visit us online at lyricopera.org. Soprano Nicole Cabell is backstage at Lyric. As much as you hope that things will be honest, there's always a little bit of game playing, I think, no matter how, no matter how deeply involved in a relationship you are. So I think this is, of course, it's just a, an exaggerated version of what happens in relationships. And, and in a way, we can all relate to the desperation involved and in Nemorino's case and in Adina's case, the sort of frustration with men being flighty, not serious, and she just wants somebody to be serious. Thank you for downloading this episode of Backstage at Lyric. I'm Roger Pines of Lyric Opera Chicago. American soprano Nicole Cabell is one of the most successful alumni of Lyric's Ryan Opera Center. She's returning to the company as Adina in Donizetti's The Elixir of Love, a role she sung at the Metropolitan Opera. After winning the 2005 BBC Cardiff Singer of the World competition, she's rapidly ascended to prominence internationally, appearing not only at the Met, but also at Covent Garden, the Deutsche Oper Berlin, the Edinburgh Festival, and with many major orchestras. She's even made a movie of La Boheme, which was recently telecast on PBS. My colleague from the Lyric broadcast, George Preston, recently spoke with Nicole. Before we get to the interview, here's a brief synopsis of The Elixir of Love. Nemorino, a simple country lad, loves Adina, a wealthy landowner. His rival for her is Belcore, a sergeant in the local regiment. Dulcamara, a quack doctor, arrives in the village selling an elixir of love. Nemorino buys a bottle, not knowing that it's actually Bordeaux wine. When he drinks it, the resulting tipsiness and brashness he displays succeed in alienating Adina. She decides to marry Belcore that evening, but then gets cold feet, leaving him perplexed. Nemorino, who has no money left, is persuaded by Belcore to enlist in the army, which will give him 20 scudi, which he promptly spends on more elixir. Janetta and the other local girls shower him with attention, which he attributes to the elixir. They're responding to the rumor that his rich uncle has died, leaving him an inheritance. Adina buys back his army commission and presents it to him, finally revealing her true feelings. Belcore declares that there are plenty of other fish in the sea, and Dulcamara sells more elixir before bidding the village farewell. Now, on to the conversation between Nicole Cabell and George Preston. I hope you enjoy it. So, Nicole Cabell, one of the reasons that this opera, The Elixir of Love, rings so true to me is that I, like most men, have no idea what women are thinking. (laughs) We're completely flying blind, trust me. So, let's get under the skin of Adina and figure out what she's thinking because every time I see this opera I'm wondering when does she fall in love with Nemorino? How does this happen? When does it happen? Because, you know, they would never get paired up by eHarmony.com. You know, their compatibility points might not match. (laughs) 
Actually, it's funny. I, I think that they are very compatible on a personality level. I think that they're actually, they probably were childhood friends or something. And as, as they've gotten older, he's developed this sort of love for her that she just doesn't know if it's a crush or not. And she, underneath it all, she really does care for him deeply. And I think it's not a matter of her automatically falling in love. It's just her waiting for him to prove it because she gets a lot of male admirers, including Belcore, who upon seeing her just sort of immediately start groveling to get her attention. And, and I think she just doesn't really take Nemorino seriously when he's doing that. She just kind of lumps him in with the other guys. And there's a couple times where she asks him to to prove it and he's sort of about to and something will either interrupt the situation or she just kind of, she won't quite be convinced and the turning point is where she realizes that he has sold his freedom for her to become a soldier and she realizes that this is a enormous sacrifice that most men would not make for her so this is when this is the duet dual camara and she says, wow, this is such love. He really, he really loved me, and I treated him badly. So she's bound to get his heart. And he's about to ship off with the army, so she won't see him. Well, exactly. That's the, that's the point. And so she does what she can to try to let him know that she cares for him. Now, she does respond to the attentions of Belcore. Is she at all serious about this? Oh, no, of course not. He's a pawn in her in her game to get Nemorino to prove his love for her. So if she's very nervous at this wedding, um, because she expects Nemorino to be there and for him to stop the wedding and proclaim his love for her uh, in a much more convincing way than he has in the past and she thinks this will be this will be serious enough for him to do that. So she can't find him <laughs> through the course of this. So even as she's trying to pretend that, to enjoy herself, she's desperately looking for him because this is pretty serious. She won't, she won't go through with it, of course, but she wants to get as close as possible. So it's a calculated risk on her part. Yes, of course. And she'll make up some excuse to try to get out of the, uh, the marriage with Belcore if Nemorino never shows up. But she's worried that, that Nemorino's not seeing this, this huge risk she's taking. Now... I mentioned that from my perspective as a guy, the scenario rings true with the dynamic between men and women and relationships and trying to develop relationships. Does it ring true for you as well, Nicole? Well, this is a very (laughs) comical, exaggerated version of relationships and love, and every relationship is extremely different, of course. So as much as you hope that things will be honest there's always a little bit of game playing i think no matter how no matter how deeply involved in the relationship you are so i think this is of course it's just a, an exaggerated version of what happens in relationships and and in a way we can all relate to the desperation involved and in Nemorino's case and in Adina's case, the sort of frustration with men being flighty and not serious and she just wants somebody to be serious so They've been friends a long time. She really does love him all along. Mm -hmm. She just needs him to prove it. Yes. And in the long run, do you think they work it out and have a happy, long relationship and marriage? Uh, I think so, because I like to play her as though they have had a history. They know a lot about each other. And, And the difficulty in this period of their life is that she's, again, she's frustrated with him and 
he just doesn't seem serious to anybody and to her as well. So for her, it's just a matter of time if, if he does come through for her to sort of breathe a sigh of relief and say, okay, finally, finally I can be with this guy and we can just have a nice, normal, lovely relationship. So I think they just kind of fall into that situation. I'd like to believe they live happily ever after. (laughs) That's the idea, at least. Now, this is a bel canto opera, which means it has certain vocal challenges. I like to think of singing bel canto as kind of like a a figure skating routine (laughs) where you want it to be very artistic, but it's kind of athletic in a way, too, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Absolutely. It's a difficult sing. I've sung many uh, roles in the past that one could say are difficult or require a lot of stamina, but for some reason this particular role is more challenging than the others, and I think it's because it's not just standing there and singing beautifully, which is what a lot of the music requires. Instead, it's a real combination of acting and stage presence, comedy, and having to sing beautifully. So while you're running around stage and, and acting and, and try, you know, getting a response out of your colleagues on stage, you're also trying to make sure that your breath is steady and that you're producing uh, a beautiful sound. I have to say it's a bit of a compromise. There's many times I would like to just stand and, and think about singing this phrase as beautiful as possible, but this is a really, it's truly an acting role. It, it has to engage the audience on a, on a level of acting as opposed to just singing. Can you describe this production a little bit and how this engages you personally as an artist? This particular production? This particular production, yeah. Well, yes, it's a it's a very traditional production, and which I really enjoy because there's no sort of distractions beyond what's written in the score and what's expected of you on stage. Um, I think it's pretty organic. I, I really believe it from beginning to end. And it's not sort of a ridiculous level of blocking stage movements to distract the viewer. It's actually, it's pretty um, self-explanatory, I think, in terms of um, the blocking, and that makes it as reasonable as possible to sing this uh, in a beautiful way. But, um, yeah, again, it's, it's very, it's very self-explanatory. And if this is a challenge for you now, do you see yourself in coming years, moving away from roles like this that are maybe a little higher, more florid? What do you see yourself moving into as the meat of your repertoire as you develop mm-hmm. as an artist? Well, Adina, is it's never going to kill your voice, so it might be something that I continue to do. However, I do find my voice is settling um, it's a little lower than this role. I really enjoy... Mozart roles like the Countess and uh, Pamina runs rather high but there's a little bit more of room to expand your voice so I feel comfortable in those roles Um, I don't feel uncomfortable in this role it's just that uh, because the personality type required uh, needs to be a bit um, again young and comedic and physical I may eventually move away from it I just um, shared this role with Angela Gorgio uh, in New York and she does this brilliantly, and she's a bit older than I am, so I think if she can do it, hopefully I can continue to do it. I would certainly think <laughs> so. And uh, you're home in Chicago, mm-hmm. singing at Lyric for a while, but you go back to New York pretty soon. I do, I do. I leave, uh, I think it's the second week of February, um, to sing Musetta in La Boheme in New York, so that'll be exciting. And it will be heard on an upcoming Saturday afternoon broadcast on WFMT as well. That'll be wonderful. Nicole Cabell, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Backstage at Lyric, 
the podcast that takes you behind the curtain at Lyric Opera of Chicago. For additional interactive content and to order tickets, visit us online at lyricopera.org. Thank you.